Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. What's going on, everyone? This is the Posting Up Podcast through Clovercrest Media here. I'm joined by Sean Scanlon and King Zay. How we doing, guys? Doing good, brother. How about you? I'm doing good. Uh, sorry I missed you guys on Saturday. It ran a great show, though. I checked it out. It was awesome. Um, so we will get right into it. Isaiah, um, I know you've got a lot to say on this topic. So, so without further ado, I'll let you start off. Knicks have brought in Derek Rose. They traded Dennis Smith Jr. in a second-round pick to the Pistons. In return, Rose is averaging 14 points, four assists off the bench in Detroit. Isaiah, what do you make of this move for the Knicks, and do you think it does anything for them? Well, I think it does something for us. If you think the Knicks are trying to make a playoff push and actually try to win some playoff games, I think you bring in somebody like Derek Rose, who's a savvy vet who knows how to handle the game in big situations. I think you know he's someone that you could use down the stretch. But as far as the development is the rest of the team, I don't know where that goes. I'm just hoping that with Rose coming in, it doesn't affect the develop excuse me, the development of players like quickly, who again, his minutes will probably now be cut now because Derrick Rose is coming in and there's only so many minutes that can go around. But like I said, you don't want to play like quickly to slow down or stunt his development any type of way if he's the future. So if the Knicks can find a good balance, then I think this could work out. But if they can't, this becomes a problem real fast. Uh, Sean, what do you think about the situation here? Yeah, um, I think it's it's a good move, especially if the Knicks want to, you know, make that playoff run, like Isaiah was saying. And um, I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's anything against Derrick Rowe as the player. Um, I, you know, I think what they gave up for him. Um, was pretty fair. They gave up Dennis Smith in the second round pick. And obviously Dennis Smith wasn't playing. Um, obviously he's playing in the G League now, or he was playing in the G League before he got traded. And, you know, I, I think that D-Rose will play good, um, especially given, you know, more opportunity and more minutes and, and under his, you know, former head coach and Tom Thibodeau. But I don't think this is that easy to get, excuse me, I don't think this is exactly what, you know, the Knicks needed. Um, I, I think they really needed a shooter, um, a, a spot-up shooter, because I don't think Reggie Bullock, and uh, Alec Burks are getting it done, and they I think they really struggle offensively. You know, obviously they're a great defensive team, but I think a spot-up shooter really would have helped this team out, and I don't think, you know, Derrick Rose is the best fit, even though, you know, I don't have anything against the player. I think he's going to play well in New York, but I just don't think this is exactly, you know, what they needed to do at the trade uh, trade deadline. Right, and uh, when I first saw this move, I don't know, Isaiah, you might remember um, back when the Knicks first acquired Derrick Rose. Um 
however many years ago that was, he was at his introductory press conference and he was saying, he said, and I can't, this isn't a direct quote, but he was like, you know, they say it's us and the Warriors who are the super teams. And that, that just made me laugh. <laughs> um, but I, I think, like Sean said, Derrick Rose certainly won't hurt the uh, the Knicks here, uh, other than what Isaiah was saying with the development of the young talent on this team. Uh, obviously, you hope they are trying to make the playoffs with a move like this. Um, Sean, I, a quick question for you regarding Derrick Rose. If if you think this was do you th- first do you think this was the best fit for Derrick Rose and if not where who else should have pushed harder to acquire a player like Derrick Rose to come off their bench? I actually do think it's a good fit because um, I mentioned obviously Tom Thibodeau he's coached them in Chicago and in Minnesota and they obviously have a great relationship so I I think he'll he'll get the minutes here obviously he was coming off the bench in Detroit I think he was a little pissed off about that because I mean he's he's obviously not the D Rose MVP that we saw um, in 2012 but you know he's still a very good player he can give you a lot of uh, solid production especially offensively so I think this is a pretty good fit and I, I think that Derrick Rose will be happy um, that he's in New York. Isaiah, uh, any teams you think should have pushed harder for Rose, or uh, do you do you think he was just kind of going to stay in Detroit if Knicks didn't pull the trigger? I thought the Clippers were actually going to make a serious push for him. I thought the Clippers could have used a more uh, point guard. I guess I don't even know how to put it more more point guardish type of player at the point guard position, more like someone who I feel like can facilitate the offense way better than what they have now, and again, who could get to the line and because you know as a vet even though he's still you know like he, Sean said he's not the all-star he was he could still get those fouls get into the line similar to the all-star players so I thought he would have been a good addition there and again also he would have helped out defensively but they obviously they didn't push for him they obviously had no need for him I guess they felt they were fine where they were but, I, I agree with that actually I was gonna say I, I thought the Clippers should have made a made a bigger push for him um I, I think that he would fit great there especially you know whether it be coming in relief of Patrick Beverly, getting more minutes than him, but off the bench in a kind of a six-man role with Lou Williams there, or even as a starter, I think Derrick Rose would have fit quite well into into the Clippers system. But with that being said, we'll get to our first game break after our message from Clovercrest Media. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. I crossed up by Kobe, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Keys to the city. Check it out on Clover Crest Media. But without with that, with that oh, excuse me. Without further ado, we'll get into our game break here. Uh, last episode, the guys did a did a kind of a special version of this. We're gonna do that again here today. We'll start with Sean, go to Isaiah, and then finish with myself. Uh, gentlemen, give me some games, either whether they be tonight, uh, tomorrow night, or even Friday or something like that. Just throughout the week that you're looking forward to watching. Yeah, uh, the biggest game that I have my eye on is uh, Friday night at 9 p.m. It's the Bucks versus the Jazz. Um, I mean, this obviously two of the better teams in each conference. The Jazz we've seen is, you know, they're uh, off to a really hot start off to start the season. Offensively, they've been great. And then obviously defensively, you know, they, they picked it up. I think uh, I said it last episode, but having Bogdanovich back, I think has been huge for them. They didn't have him in the playoffs. And uh, Mike Conley's hurt right now. 
But uh, once they get him back, he, he's been having one of the better years um, of his career, even including, you know, his great years in Memphis. Um, so, yeah, Jason, yeah, mentioned that. But, yeah, Jazz Celtics would be a good one too. But uh, And then you get the Bucks side, side of it. Um, obviously, Giannis, the two-time reigning MVP. Um, Chris Middleton coming off a really great game last night. Uh, Drew Holiday wasn't playing, and he had a career high in assists. So I think, you know, in that point guard role of Drew Holiday, uh, is going to miss an extended period of time. I think he could fill in, uh, and Middleton's been great this year. So that's one matchup of two of the better teams in both the Eastern and Western Conference uh, that I'm really looking forward to on Friday night. Isaiah, what do you got? Uh, probably not necessarily a big game. I'm more interested in this Knicks um, Heat matchup tonight. thought they played them really well the other night, um, only losing by, I believe, six points, I believe it was, the other night. The Heat actually got uh, um, their man back. They had Jimmy Butler, so. I actually was actually thinking the Knicks were going to lose by a lot more, but they played them well. So I'm interested to see with the addition of Derrick Rose, will they continue to be one of the top defensive teams in the league? And will Derrick Rose be able to help them add some scoring, which they desperately, like Sean mentioned before, desperately, desperately need. Right. That's a good, that's a good point. Uh, Jace read my mind. I'm going with the Celtics and the jazz tonight on uh, TNT. I think that's a great matchup. I, obviously the jazz have been doing their thing. I believe they're either 19 and 5 or 19 and 6. They're one game away from being 15 games over 500. I mean, it's an incredible start for the Jazz. And then obviously, we've mentioned in the past the Celtics and um, the, the development this season thus far of uh, Jalen Brown. Obviously, Jason Tatum's going to do his thing. Kevin Walker hasn't been as much of a factor, but you'd like to see if he can, he can kind of step up in a bigger game such as this one. Um, Right, and Jace is right that Gobert needs to dominate for the Jazz to win. And uh, uh, two losses this, the Celtics have to the 76ers. Joel Embiid has gone absolutely off because the Celtics don't have don't have that big man defensively or offensively to to do anything against a big man. So definitely look for Gobert to to do more do a bit more offensively than he usually does due to the Celtics' lack of size. Um, that's a good point, Jace. Um, so with that being said, we'll get into our second topic of the day and something we haven't really talked a lot about on this show so far this season is, is rookies. Um, I kind of just want to go around the circle here and I want everyone to talk about their favorite rookie this, this, uh, this season so far, whether it be how they've played the potential they've shown and, you know, who, who, who do you guys think maybe has the brightest future, uh, out of all these rookies and, and who do you like the most? Sean, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, I think the one of the obvious answers would be Lamella Ball because the way he's playing right now. But I, I'm going to go a little outside of the box. Um, I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton um, of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he was the 12th overall pick, and I think he's got a really good chance of being the steal of this draft. Um, I, I, th- I just think super highly of him. He's a really good shooter who's, you know, he's shooting – over 45% from the field on five attempts a game. So he's got that consistency uh, shooting uh, on a really bad Kings team, but he's also a great facilitator. He's dishing out five and a half assists right now uh, compared to only one and a half turnovers. So he does it efficiently. The assist to turnover ratio is there. And then uh, defensively, he's got the super long arms. He's uh, deflecting passes all over the place. I think he has 1.2 steals per game right now. So I, I think that on a really crappy Kings team that he's one of the very lone bright spots and uh, he's only 20 years old. So he's only going to get better. I think, especially if Sacramento gets some more talent around him, but uh, I think Tyrese Halliburton, he's, I think he's a sleeper for the rookie of the year award right now. And I think that he's going to have a really bright future in uh, Sacramento, but uh, who would be your pick? Zay? <laughs> it's not even a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quick. 
Honestly, I, I thought I'd have the same excitement I have with Quickly. I thought I'd have it for Toppin, but Quickly's actually been impressive. He wasn't picked in top 10, wasn't even picked in the top 20. A lot of people thought the Knicks made a horrible pick by picking him and just thinking that the Knicks were just picking, you know, guys from Kentucky and whatnot. But he's been playing well. He's been scoring, and he's been scoring in big moments, not just, you know, times where, you know, it's garbage time and they got the guys in the fourth quarter playing. He's playing in big moments in the game. He's One night, I believe he had the back-to-back 30 last week in the fourth quarter. This kid is playing out of his mind right now. For him to not even be thought of or be the MVP rookie, excuse me, rookie of the uh, year, I, I don't understand how that's possible. This kid's amazing. Right, and that's been one of the um, kind of surprising uh, rookies so far is is Emmanuel Quickly, but someone I wanted to to, to go over is uh, Cole Anthony of the of the Orlando Magic. You know, he was kind of he he slid farther down the draft board than I expected him to. He slipped to fifteen. I think he might be actually the steal of this draft. Uh, he's he's shown some clutch genes. He's hit a couple clutch shots. One. Absolutely amazing shot. I can't remember who it was who it was against, um, but it yeah. was a game winning three pointer fading away in the corner, and it, it it was a splat. I mean, it was an absolute beautiful shot. My cousin, who's a Magic fan, Magic fan, absolutely loves uh, Cole Anthony. I think he's going to do great things for them. I think he'll definitely be a point guard of the future if if a guy like Markel Fultz can't fully recover and be be even the same well, i'm not even gonna get into markel fultz because <laughs> that dude's injury history is just a mess and i feel so so bad for him but um someone i wanted to get your guys opinion on someone who's been kind of disappointing so far at least to the uh at least uh judging by how he was supposed to be played is that's the number one overall pick anthony edwards has looked kind of shaky so far sean what do you think is wrong with anthony edwards uh, I I just think that he's he's a really bad shooter at least right now, and he's he continues to take a, a lot of attempts from the three point line. So I think his biggest strength is driving to the rack. Obviously, he, he's a big, strong kid. Um, I, I think you know, and he's very physical. So and he's pretty good off the dribble. So I think you know he's got to stick to that more. Uh, it's kind of like my my favorite player is Russell Westbrook, and I kind of always wish that you know he stopped taking so many three pointers just because he's so much more efficient when he drives to the rack. So I. I kind of think the same thing of Anthony Wed or excuse me, Anthony Edwards. Um, and he is still really young, so I, I think that he is going to develop. Obviously, he's a great athlete, and uh, he could do it on the defensive side too. But I, I just think that he has to limit his shot attempts from the three-point line. Um, he's got other good shooters on his team like D'Lo, uh, and also he's got good facilitators that can get him the ball. So I think if he just cuts those shot attempts down, um, focuses on being more efficient, I, I think that uh, he'll be a lot better. And. Speaking of disappointing rookies, Isaiah, what what's up with Obi Toppin? I, I wouldn't say disappointing. I, I would say he's you know he's starting to come along. But again, this is a season where I, I'm trying not to hold it against rookies. There was no you know summer camp for the rookie. There was no rookie summer camp. There was no off season, no training camp. There was none of that. Everything was shortened. And then you mentioned on top of that, he had a hamstring injury that sidelined him for the beginning of the year which are very tricky injuries to come back from. So I think it's going to take some time. I mean, obviously, you know, he's in a really tough position on the Knicks where that position is very crowded, so getting playtime is very limited also. So he's coming along. As soon as playtime starts to open up, I think he'll get better. But right now, like I said, it's not the same excitement as quickly. It's definitely not. Right. Maybe you'd like to see um, Toppin get a little more playing time. But like you said, 
coming off of that injury is not going to be so easy. So, and he definitely has time, although he's a little older than most rookies, but he's still young, nevertheless. Uh, with that being said, we'll get into our second game break just after this message from Clovercrest. Welcome to Ivy League Murders. On this podcast, we focus on cases affiliated with the Ivy League, exploring the darker side of higher education. What happens when genius becomes evil? My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate, and I've been a private investigator since 1999. Join me and longtime crime diva, Laura McDonald, for Ivy League Murders. As you see, we just don't do sports. We do tons of other things that are interesting here on Clovercrest, so check that podcast out on Clovercrest Media. Um, Starting off our game break here, I'll just quickly get through this first one. Malik Beasley was sentenced to 120 days. I believe Sean filled me in before the show. It's going to be house arrest now uh, for his September arrest. Um, So there's not much to cover on that one. Uh, Look, when you're rich in the house arrest, it's, it's, it's vacation. (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. Um, something more interesting. I did want to. I want to get a little deeper in than just reading over it. Uh, Steve Kerr has been criticized lately about not putting Curry in in uh, you know crunch time or giving him less fourth quarter minutes than the fans think he deserves. Um, he says he's concerned more with with Curry's longevity other than chasing wins. Isaiah, I see you making that face now, so I'll go to you first. What do you think about this? I mean, I've never been a big fan of Steve Kerr. I believe he was handed Mark Jackson's team, and he won a championship with it. So for me, I I, I just think it's an excuse for why he's just not really a great coach. I mean, you know, things have gotten difficult without Klay Thompson. I understand that, but good coaches find ways around that and find ways to win. And right now he's just not doing that for that team. That team has not been the same since they've lost all three superstars. And now that they have two back, they still don't look the same. So, I'm just like I said, I've never been a fan of Kerr. I don't think he's a really good coach, and I think it's really starting to show now. Right, and we had talked about um, a few weeks ago if Clay Thompson truly was the missing piece, but then you think more of like what Isaiah said, um, Kerr maybe not be all that as a head coach in this league. Sean, what do you make of this situation? Do you think do you think Kerr should be criticized for his coaching, or do you think he has a point in saying he's worried more about Curry's longevity? I think it is fair to criticize him, and I, I do agree with Isaiah. Um, I just think that he's the, he's, the, he's your best player in the team, and you're going to you know limit his minutes in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you're trying to go out and win games in the, in the NBA. And look, if you give him a rest night, I, I understand that if you're going to hold him out completely out of the game. But, you know, especially these nights where he's getting hot, I mean, uh, you know, he dropped 57 in a loss the other night. So he's, I mean, he's obviously the core, I mean, the strength of that team, uh, you know, the Warriors go as long as Steph Curry goes pretty much, you know, if he's doing good, the Warriors are doing good. So I just think to to limit your best player, especially in crunch time when you could be winning some of these games, they could have won that Mavericks game the other night where he went off. Um, So I just think it's not a good look for Steve Kerr, Um, you know, and they're still somewhat alive in this, in this Western conference playoff mix. So I I just don't, I don't get why you wouldn't want to win these games and, you know, get a chance at a higher seed and you'll maybe even get into that maybe four seed, get a a home playoff game. So I don't understand what Steve Kerr is doing with this, you you know, sitting out your best player and Steph Curry. I mean, he's been absolutely special this year. Um, I'm not the biggest Steph Curry fan, but I I can't deny his greatness. Just watching him this season. He's a fun player to watch. So 
holding that back from the fans and on top of that, you know, uh, preventing wins. I, I just don't, I, I don't think it's a good look for Steve Kerr. Right. And I mean, you just said it, Sean, you can't deny his, his greatness. Um, it's Stephen Curry. We're talking about one of the greatest shooters, most clutch shooters in NBA history, uh, not only in the game today, but across the league's history. Um, I, I, I hate to agree with the both of you, but I do uh, for the, you know, for the sake of argument, I'd like to sit here and, and tell you that Steve Kerr's a great head coach, but I just don't think that's the case. Uh, you're sitting a player and not winning games. I've never heard of a coach say he's more concerned with with not winning. Like, that's basically what he's saying. He's saying, I don't care about winning. And I've never heard that out of a coach's mouth until until this week. So Some, I think that's a – yeah. Kirk's of being a Hall of Fame basketball coach, I guess. Because right. I've seen coaches that have lost – who went to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost their jobs. And he's sitting there with a job, so whatever. Right. I'm, not, I'm not trying to play a race card in anything, but I'm just saying it's it's nice to be a NBA champion, I guess. Yeah, no, there's definitely factors to think about when you think about um, coaches sticking around for too long, and you're wondering maybe if that'll be happening with Steve Kerr, but we'll find out years down the road. We'll see how the Warriors are performing. Obviously, holding yeah. out. You know, you know. I just wanted to say it's one thing with Eric Spoelstra who had LeBron and had Wade and had Bosch, but then he found a way to get that team back to the championship without them and continue to make them contend. To me, that's a good coach who had good players. But when you have good players and then you don't have them no more or they're not the same no more and you can't find ways to win, that's when I start to question. Right. And ways to win without the greatest player in the game. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins isn't great. But he's he's no scrub. I mean, he's averaging 18, 19, 20 points a game. Kelly Oubre obviously hasn't been playing that great, but he's still not a scrub either. He's I been mean, playing better as a late though, too. Right. And, and you you have these pieces who in place of Clay Thompson, you should be winning some more games than you are. So Steve Kerr definitely deserves to be under the fire he's under right now. Uh speaking of the Warriors, James Wiseman is gonna be reevaluated when the Warriors come off of their road trip. There's no timetable for his return yet, although they don't think it'll be too, too long. And then the Cavaliers, Larry Nance Jr. will miss four to six weeks after finger surgery. So we'll get into our final topic of the day. I kind of wanted to do something fun here. So we'll go around the around the horn here and um, we'll answer this question. Uh, you get to interview any player, current or former, doesn't, you know, I hate to say this, but it doesn't matter if they're deceased or not. Um, you can ask them two to three questions. That's it. That's the max. Three questions. Why do you ask them to the question? What questions do you ask them and why? And and why would you want to find this out about them? Sean, we'll start with you. All right. For my interview, uh, I'm going way back to the 60s, and I'm going to sit down with the great Wilt Chamberlain. Um, so, I, yeah, a couple of questions I would ask him is, uh, first, you know, I would ask him if he thinks that would his uh, game translate to the NBA today, which uh, I think personally, I, I think he would dominate today in today's NBA. Um, you know, one of the greatest scorers that the NBA has ever seen. And obviously back then there was only eight teams and, you know, they, they weren't the athletes that they are today, but I think that Wilt Chamberlain was a supreme athlete, uh, just a tremendous rebounder. He one of the best uh, passing big men of all time and just uh, dominantly uh, on just dominant on the defensive side of the ball too. So I, I think that, you know, that would be the first question I would ask him. 
Uh, second, I would just feel I would ask him, you know, how he was feeling on the night that he scored 100 points and what it what it feels like to be in that zone where, you know, that absolutely no one can stop you. There's nothing that anyone could do to stop you. I just I would like to know his mindset of, you know, what he was thinking that night uh, when he scored 100, which is, you know, obviously doesn't even seem possible, um, especially in today's NBA. And uh, last but not least, I think the most pressing question, uh, which doesn't really have to do with basketball, but he's, he's claimed to have slept with over 20,000 women in his life. So I would have to ask him personally, in his opinion, who is the most attractive woman that he's ever slept with? Because he, he's got a lo- he's got a lot to choose from. So uh, that that would be my, my final question to the great uh, Wilt Distilled. That's hilarious. I love that. Uh, Isaiah, who are you sitting down with? Are you talking, are you talking about their escapade? <laughs> Actually, yeah, mine's gonna be a little less professional than Sean's. I'd probably sit down with uh, Isaiah Thomas and ask him first off, where'd you get the amazing name? That I, <laughs> that I'd probably ask him about the locker rooms. I'd want to know what the locker rooms are like back then. You know, you watched the documentary over the summer with you know with Jordan and all those great epic battles, and you saw the you saw one side. You wanted to know what the other side was like when they won. You know, I just wanted to know what it was like when they were winning. How those locker rooms were. You know, were they getting crazy? Were they wild? Did they have women in and out? You know, we saw the craziness that went on with the Bulls. I wanted to know what went on with that crazy Pistons team that everyone knows the bad boys were just known for just not giving up. And so I would love to know the stories outside of the locker room for me. Those would be more of my questions. But I, not really a third question. I don't think I, after I get my second question, I don't think I'll, anymore. I think I'll be, I'll be scared after that. <laughs> oh man, those were great. Now I feel kind of bad about my questions. They're not as pressing as those. Um, well, it's going to be a current player here, uh, my favorite player right now, and he's been my favorite player for a very long, not very long time, just the, from the time he entered the league is my guy, Joel Embiid. Um, first question I asked him uh, is how he deals with the constant doubt and hate from the fans across the league. I know Philadelphia fans have been have been good to him, uh, even though he sat out his first two seasons. They've never given up on him, and and he's obviously returned that favor for them. But, you know, there's been players – or not players, fans across the league, even analysts who have constantly doubted his ability, uh, his 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 injury habits – not habits, but his his um, injury history. Yeah, yeah right. And um, he's kind of just – this season especially come back and, and proven them wrong. So I'd like to hear his thoughts on what he even – if he even listens to any of those people or if, he, if that affects him in any way. And then another um, – question i had is i've been to a few sixers games in my days and those fans are ruthless so i i'd want to know how playing in philadelphia has affected um his mental toughness not only on the court but you know off the court when he's training and stuff like that because you do wrong by those philly fans they will they'll get you and i I, i'm a i'm a philly fan Uh, i don't live down there that's why i put the air quotes and i hate the eagles don't even don't even don't even ask me about that. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'd ask him about how how being down there with those ruthless fans has affected his mental toughness. And, obviously, he's not a guy who's phased by much, so I want to know how, how big of a part those fans play the in that. crying down the tunnel when he lost? <laughs> hey, that's different. That's different. by much? Just losing. Just losing. Hey. Hey. If he loses, he's going to cry. But anything else, you can punch him in the face. It's fine. Losing? <laughs> That shot had no business going in. Don't even get me started on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it had a date with the bottom of the net. <laughs> That's what it did. Oh, it. boy. 
Hey, well, that's a conversation for another day. You're not going to make me cry on this show today. Um, <laughs> if there's nothing else anyone has to say, though, I think that'll wrap up the show for today. Um, check us out on Clovercrest Media. These uh, We're live every Friday. My God, Friday. Saturday at 1 and Tuesday at 5. I was thinking 5. <laughs> no, I don't got any other shows. Um, not yet, at least. Um, <laughs> like, anyways, you can catch us live Tuesdays at five, Saturdays at one. Clovercrest Media, um, for Sean Scandal and King Zay of Lucas Bolduck, checking out for the Posting Up podcast. Peace.